There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Peebo Bryson performs live tomorrow at Bethesda Blues and Jazz in Bethesda, Maryland. I spoke to the two-time Grammy winner about his career of solo hits and iconic duets, joining Celine Dion on Disney's Beauty and the Beast and Regina Bell on A Whole New World in Disney's Aladdin. Peebo Bryson, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP today. Jason, nice to see you. Nice to be with you this morning. We're talking to you, uh, the two-time Grammy-winning Peebo Bryson, uh, because you're coming to Bethesda Blues and Jazz on Saturday night. Uh, it's a nice little supper club there uh, in Bethesda, Maryland. H- have you ever played that spot before? I mean, for you, you probably tour the country. It's hard to keep track of all of them, but do you know no, if you I ever have? I, I think, actually, I think it's one I've missed. Oh, well, we're excited to, so you can add it to the list. It's a really good one. Well, tell us about the, the show itself. I want to talk all about your career in a second, but tell us about uh, pr- the particular, you know, maybe, I don't mean to spoil the set list, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, give us a hint no, of no, it's going to well, be like the greatest you know, hits. Well, yeah, we do. We do a greatest hits thing and all that. And we also do a, a, a section where I'm playing guitar and, and showing some, some, you know, some of my other skills and, and actually validating uh, being a composer and a writer in a way that, that most people are not able to do because we live in a day and age where I, of, of the philosophy of I am who I say I am. <laughs> you don't have to actually really be able to do anything. Right. So it's, a, it, it's, it's cool when you can, can share with your audience your, your musician, your, your musical skills as well as uh, have a chat with them so that they get a sense of who you really are. And I think that the dialogue and the conversation is probably as important as the music is. If you come to a people Bryson concert and you don't get a, and afterwards you don't get, a, you don't have a sense that if you ran into me on the street the next day or, or so you would, and you were going to lunch, you would, you would invite me, you would feel free to invite me to, of course you'd have to pay, but. Right. <laughs> you got to pick up the tab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, you would feel free to invite me because uh, the dialogue in the, the in during the program is that important and it's also that intimate and it's also that informative. So you, you there's a there's a section where uh, I think it's appropriate where three or more people gather together in the name of music that you should probably acknowledge some of the the great artists and the great music that is that have. Uh, that represent great music that have gone on to their transition, yeah. the, the same transition that we all have to make. So I think that there's a, and I get a chance to share these little anecdotes of what my experience with them was, what our relationship was and all that. And I've been around long enough to actually have had relationships with, with a, quite a few people. And, and, and some of them are really quite iconic 
And I think uh, if if you come to the concert, I'll I'll tell you stories that you've never heard about about said artist and, and all that, what they were really like, and so you have a sense of uh, of who they were in in a, in a way that's more comprehensive than you would have had. Who are some of those artists that you're going that have passed or, as you said, transitioned that you're that you'll talk about? Uh, I, I think that great artists like El Jerome should never be forgotten. I think, uh, I don't think any artist should be forgotten, but uh, great El Jerome and the, the great James Ingram, uh, the, the, the legendary Bill Withers, you, you, you talk about people like that, it's like their music is going to be here forever. It's like, these are individuals that have uh, managed to accomplish something unique to me, and that is, uh, it, their individual careers have actually uh, kind of parroted the, 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 the iconic uh, Motown stuff. I mean, we still listen to Motown. We, we still listen to, we still go, if, if we hear, you know, don't, 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 don't. We, we know yeah. exactly what we that is. We all got sunshine. Exactly <laughs> yeah. So the, there, are, there, are, there are very few artists who have, uh, made that leap, you know, uh, where as, as an individual artist, that their music is, is, con is considered uh, treasured like all of Motown is. Absolutely. I think that some of those should be, you should talk about that. I, I think you should, you know, if you're, and if you can give a, an idea of what that person would be like if they were still here singing today, then that all the better for it. So, so you, you, yeah, you're gonna get all the hits. You're gonna get all that, but you're gonna get a lot more than that. You're gonna get um, all of me, you know, and and all of somebody, and, and a lot of somebody else as as well. You know, not that you you only do small pieces of enough of it to 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 wet your palate and and, and satisfy you quite a bit. But you know you don't you don't make a, a, a thing out of it. And then a, a guy like me who's done, she's forty nine duets. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get into. I'm sure. It's we'll... not, Jason, it's not something that you you start out trying to do. Right. You don't, you don't, no, you don't. There's not a there's not a plan for that. You suddenly I I just because of Roberta Flack choosing me out of the blue, uh, you suddenly become the. Uh, the person that everybody wants to sing with for some reason. <laughs> that's, yeah. a good, that's a good I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that is. And if uh, it's, I had done one duet project prior to Roberta Flack, and that was I did an entire album project with Natalie Cole. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know how to really do a duet project at that particular point. It was not until uh, I met R Roberta Flack and started to work with her that yeah. I learned how to do it. Because she she's a teacher and she teaches you how to, uh, I learned from her how to play to a person's strengths and weaknesses equally. It's a it's a wild concept, but right. it 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 taught me about how to give and take in a duet, and, and she, nobody does it better than she does. Oh yeah, and of course, just in case maybe some of our listeners can't remember, it, of course, it was tonight I celebrate my love is what you're talking about, which Roberta I Parker. did not like, Jason. I didn't, the first time I heard really? it, I like it. I didn't like it. 1983, you didn't like it when you heard it. I didn't like it. It could have been because it could have been because Michael Masson was singing it to me. <laughs> God, he was awful. 
<laughs> as a singer. It was a great, one of the greatest writers, most prolific writers of all time. But when he's trying to sing that melody, it is terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's bad, man. Well, the, the fin but when, the actual finished product, when you got a hold of it, you know, you, you guys. Well, no, here's the thing. I did not understand what it really was until I was the first. We made a pass at it and, and we went back in the studio to listen to that pass. And I was like, wow, that's a really good song. I had no <laughs> idea. It was a good song until I listened to the first playback. Wow. That thank you, thank you for telling me all about that one. Hey, real quick, even before that though, tell me about how you know you uh you know you grew up in South Carolina in 1950, born in 51, and what how, yeah. I want to know, I want to know. Well, you did you mentioned Temptations and stuff, uh, the Motown sound and all that. Uh, you mentioned that a few seconds ago, but I want to know uh, was that sort of the music that you got into, or how did you start singing yourself? Listen, let me explain something to you. My folks beat the living crap out of me once because. <laughs> They got, they got the phone bill and they're like, who, who made all these long distance calls to Detroit? <laughs> You're calling Motown. Listen, I, I called them so much. Let me tell you, Jason, I got past the, the, the receptionist and actually got to talk to an a person. Oh, wow. You were like a step away from Barry Gordy. <laughs> I, no, no, listen. I, mean, I was a step away from Barry Gordy. And let me tell you something. Every time there was a, a, a change in the temptations, I was on it, man, and I got the living <laughs> crap beat out of me again. My folks were like, what a, what's wrong with you? I mean, they thought I was insane. But I wanted to be one of the temptations so badly, and I, yeah. I felt like I could I could replace any one of the temptations. That's the way I felt. I was crazy. I was crazy at the time. I, I felt that I could do it. So I would call and call and call. And I called so much that, that people along the way in the chain of command, and they started to take pity on me <laughs> <laughs> who's this guy running up this long distance exactly. charges <laughs> but growing, growing up in the in the south is like a, growing up in south carolina is um is a great education to prepare you for the world uh, and that you 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 learn when you were raised and born and raised in the south how to live with adversity without becoming bitter. Right. That's, that, that's a very thin line to walk, you know, yeah. and you, you, you have to understand that I was sitting in the room when we, when we were deciding what black was, black identity was going to be, what did black actually mean? Right. You know, you, you, so you started, what, what, how should we think of ourselves when we stop allowing everybody else to think for us or decide what we should be or what, which, which direction we were going and all that? Right. Uh, we suddenly became aware of, of economic power that we were not willing. We, we learned that from Rosa Parks, of course. Right. But, <laughs> but you, we, we learned stuff. So you learn how to, then, uh, then there was politics. And then I started to understand what politics really was. Uh, it's not personal preference. <laughs> right. It's exactly. Uh, it's that it has nothing to do with who you really are as an individual. It's just who has the power and who's wielding it, and do right. you want to be a part of that? You know. Right. So I, I started to understand all that very early. And so South Carolina, being what it was and what it is, is uh, uh, the Carolinas in general are. That's a it's a really good place to start and get a great education about what the world is really like 
and from and I started traveling way back then, and that gave me a, a whole different perspective on the world because you're out there in it, and you learn things that you could never learn from a book or from I, as, as I'm an incessant reader, I always have been, still am. It's great, but uh, it's you can't learn things from the book. Practical experiences, everything. My mother taught me one something a long, long time ago. She said, "Nothing but nothing beats experience," and that's true. So. I spent like my, I was in a top 40 man. We spent six months in Haiti. You know, it's like, it's, I, I thought I knew what poverty was. Right. Not, you know, when you, when you land there, I cried come, coming from the airport, going to the hotel. And I cried going to the airport mm. from the hotel. You know, it's like, it, it's one of those things that you, but then at the same time, I, I learned so much while I was there about about the world and what and then I, I got the, the bug for wanting to know what Europe was like and all that you know having met some people that were raised there uh, it, it's you I wanted to stretch out stretch out stretch out and fortunately enough I've, I've seen all of Asia Asia Minor and you know you, you, you get a chance to see all those things and you, you and then there's the, the whole French thing that which I like and then there's the whole Italian thing that I like and then right. You know, so you 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 get out there. Uh, I think being from South Carolina and going up in that environment made me thirsty more than anything else. It made me thirsty for for knowledge. I'm, thirsty I'm, for I'm glad that you went and traveled and and seized that knowledge and pursued that knowledge. Because a lot of people just you know stay in their comfort zone. I appreciate that you that you went off and did that. So uh, I'm that seeing- helps with the music though when you're with. If you compose it, that just helps with the music. It helps it stretch out. It helps your perspective stretch out. So you reach more people. And so over time, you reach a lot of people. And finally, it's like my goal was always to uh, write a song that is, or, or record a song or sing a song that the world would sing along with me. Oh, you've had a couple of those. I can name a couple. Yeah, I can name a couple Disney tunes that everybody yeah. knows. <laughs> But uh, let's uh, before we get to those, uh, I want to hit some of your other, you know, you mentioned the Roberta Flack, you know, tonight I celebrate my love. But uh, then you um, outside of your duets, you had a couple, you know, solo hits, too. I guess your first top 10 single, I guess, was if you're ever you're in my arms again. Actually, it went number. It actually went number one on one one of the pop charts. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, just remember memories of recording that in 84. Uh, that was my birth year, most, by the way, just the to most, blow your mind. <laughs> I was born that year. <laughs> well, no, no, it was a Jason. Listen, let me explain something. Michael Masser again. So, you know, this, right. this, it's right. like this, man, this guy's a mad genius. You got to understand that. I sang if every year my arms again, every day for 11 days, <laughs> eight hours a day, we had, he ended up with 120 vocal tracks. Woo. And he made a cup from all of them. Wow. No, and he spent over $300,000 making this record. Wow. I thought, I thought Capitol Records was going to have him killed. <laughs> it was like, it's like, and they just kind of let him, let him run with it. Uh, and it's like, and finally one day, I just looked at him one day uh, on, the, on the 11th day and said, listen, whatever you don't have, you're not going to have. <laughs> right. I'm not going to come in tomorrow and sing this song ever again. Right. So he said, oh, what? I said, tell you what, hold on a second. I'll be right back. 
I didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there eleven was, days. You did your time. <laughs> it isn't, Jason. There was a can, there was a sign at the end of the street in West Hollywood that said Cantina. <laughs> that's where you went. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's where I went. So not, instead of day twelve recording that, I'm going to be at the Cantina. All right. Well, <laughs> it paid off. All you know, it paid off. It so really did. I mean, he's it, like he's it, it's. He doesn't like anybody. He, he's. If, I tell you what, recording a, a Michael Master song is like doing a Neil Simon play. Right. There's no improv. I don't care if you're Robin Williams. <laughs> you just, stick you, to the script. Stick to the script. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I don't care what your improv skills are. Uh, he didn't want any of that. He just wanted the melody. Period. His right. melody. Right. And he right. wants you. He wanted you to sing it like he would if he could sing. Right. And you, yeah, you, but you, yeah, you were the voice. You were the, uh, the channel that he, the instrument well, that he channeled it through. Um, any interpretation at all, he's going to take that out. You're not going to, it's not going to be there. It's going to be, it's going to be on the cutting floor somewhere. Right, right. Yeah. After 11 days, I bet. Uh, well, and you had another solo hit with Can You Stop the Rain in 91. Man, I got to, maybe it's just nostalgia for when I grew up, but I missed that 90s R&B, that like that, uh, that production value of the, of, of the early to mid 90s. I missed that. You know what? There, there were great producers. There have always been great producers, and I've been fortunate enough to work with, well, pretty much all of them. Yeah. And, and when you, they all have a, a different perspective. Uh, working with David Foster, he doesn't really care about your interpretation. He's not interested in your feeling about the song. The only thing he cares about, it, that's fine if you can do it, but you have to do it in pitch. Okay. The only thing he cares about is pitch. He just doesn't care. It's, I think it's because he's one of those people that has like perfect pitch. Right. And so anything that's marginal is like fingernails on a chalkboard to them. Right. So, so he, he's, that's the only thing he cares about. He cares about pitch. Uh, sing the melody, sing it right. Put as much feeling in it as you possibly can. Uh, it's a great melody. I'm going to give it to you. You can, you can do what you want with it, except for destroy it. And you have to do whatever you do in pitch. So that's great. Whereas you got what you're talking about is, is, is the great music that he made, the great production that he made, one of the greatest production teams of uh, ever. But then you got Walter Afanasia, who did all the Whitney Houston stuff and all of the, the, uh, the, all the, the Mariah, Mariah Carey hits that all the stuff that you like and you love and that will be the the classics that will always be here and you will always be in awe of what that production was and what those performances were. Uh, you will always be in awe of that. So he's that, but he's a pleading kind of producer. He's one of those guys that he said, man, God, if you sing that like that again, he said, man, I'm not a girl, but man, I, I, I'm feeling you in here. He's like, he's one of the guys. After an hour with this guy, you want to kill for him. You know, you, you want right. to do, you want to give him your best vocal performance. He could, he could, he could suck that out of you in, yeah. in, in the nicest way possible. I, I, I thought his approach was genius, and, and his, uh, and and the kindest approach I've, I've I've ever seen. And good God, in terms of production, well, who would want to put a big, booming, 
snare with a with a with that was wet. It's like what like like somebody was just poured a gallon of water over the the, the snare and said, <laughs> you know, it's like who who thinks like that? Uh, and then it, these off key off rhythm things that he would do that made it all make sense and recorded great vocals. Then you got uh, people like. Uh, Keith Thomas, who's like, uh, he, he believes that Lay's potato chips would help your high tone. Really? So, Just no, Lay's? Not, not barbecue, original. No, it's gotta, no, gotta be original. Classic. The classic. Classic. The you gotta do classic. It gets that classic sound. <laughs> well, no, there's something about, he says there's something about the oil and it goes over the vocal huh. cords and it makes your top better. Huh. He's like, so he's got them in the, actually in the booth. You so, no, eat some chips. And he'll, He'll suggest it to you. <laughs> give him some chips. Yeah. Don't give him yeah. no, no Pringles, no Uts, no, 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 Eat some Lay's, eat some chips. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, he's, he's, guys, these guys are, 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 are nuts, but you know, you, you, but he's really good at what, again, that production value you're talking about. These were the guys that had the production value. And then you got, I'm, like I'm now working with Jam and Lewis. Oh, those guys are great. We just talked about them oh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I love them. Nicest oh, guys in the world. I mean, we we, we got we have. Uh, maybe I think we have two more songs, maybe one, maybe none. According to Jimmy, it depends on what uh, or, or Terry, because uh, once they think they got it, they feel like they have it, then they're, they're just gonna stop anyway. But, but yeah, their yeah. their process is so so unique and so different. Uh, they're two of the finest human beings I've ever met. Uh, we're like-minded in, in, in many, many different ways. We're family-oriented, we're spiritual, and, and we're, we're practical yeah. in, our, in our philosophies and our approaches and all that kind of stuff. But we are what we are, we don't, and we're old enough to be unapologetic at this particular point, which makes for a, a, a fun time and all that. You know, it's, uh, but their process is, they want as much of your personality, of the artist's personality in the music as, as possible. Their egos, that it's it's actually the absence of ego that's that's most astounding about them. Yeah. They don't care about that. They, they don't like, no, are you no, you're gonna help do this. It's like uh, no, you're gonna write this, you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> help write this. I mean, do you hear something? What do you hear? Why do you hear it that way? You know, okay, let's try. So they're not, they're not, it's a I, it's a collective process that I've never seen before. It's totally unique. And that's probably one of the reasons why they've been so astoundingly successful. You know, it's, there, there are no hard lines. Uh, they can, they, they don't get upset. Yeah. They just, don't, they just move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. You've been generous with your time. But before we run, we have to talk the the Disney songs, of course. Everyone knows and loves those. Uh, well, start start with the Celine Dion duet on Disney's Beauty and the Beast. In well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about here's the thing about the Disney songs. How that how things come about is like I taken a place in New York, so so I could talk to my A and R guy. I could go down there and talk to him because if he's gonna listen to a couple thousand songs for or a couple hundred songs for me to, to find ten. Or yeah. twenty to, to try, then I should probably go down there and listen with him because he doesn't know exactly what my taste is or what it isn't. Sure. Uh, so two things happened there. I was down there listening, and we 
I didn't like anything he was playing for me. And he said, well, I was considering this song for a, a female artist on Columbia. I just want your opinion so that will help me understand what kind of music you're looking for. So I said, okay, uh, I listened. And the song was, uh, uh, it was a, a, a female vocalist singing a, a, a demo of Can You Stop the Rain? Ah. And he said, well, what do you think? I said, I think it'd be a, a good song for her, but I think it'd be a great song for me. He said, really? Uh, you, uh, you'd sing that? I said, all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. <laughs> and he said, well, he said, do you know who Celine Dion is? I said, yeah. She said, you know, she's on, this, on, on Club Me Too. I said, oh, really? He said, I said, he said, how would you feel about singing something with her in the future? Do I? And I said, yeah. oh, I'd love to. I said, she's an incredible instrument. <clears throat> we didn't have a song. Right. Now, my A&R person is a guy named, was a guy named, uh, whose name is, is Jay Landers. His father was Hal Landers, who was, King of the King of the B movies, Smoking the Bandit, the whole nine yards. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So through his father's connections and and growing up in that in the film industry, uh, he he somehow got access to the new animation from Disney. Right. So he said, and so they let him see the animation because it was cutting edge at the time. So he said, "Wow, this is terrific." He said, "Uh." question is there any music and they said funny you should ask <laughs> so so you know it's and 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 then you have to go through the channels of they have to decide whether at disney uh, michael and and i i i would katzenberg at the time was still at disney uh, uh had to decide if who was gonna sing the song if if i was the guy right so katzenberg says Oh, he saw my name on list. He said, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recuse myself because I think this guy's probably one of the greatest male vocalists on the planet. <laughs> hey, that's so high got, praise. Well, yeah, no, it is, but you've got people that are trying to impress him around. So they were like, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's you know, so it, it worked out that. So I listened to this song, and, I, and it's one of those songs that was so haunting. Uh, Alan Menken, Tim Rice, they, these, these guys are, Geniuses. Well, the genius, 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 and they're more genius. And so you're, you're looking at them and you, 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 I'm listening to this song. I'm going, geez, does it, am I ever going to get tired of listening to it? <laughs> right. Not, not 11 just, days in a row. Am I going to be, exactly. tired? that's your test. <laughs> now that, that I would do more than 11 days in a yeah. row. But it turns out you don't have to. So Celine and I actually did not meet until studio. Oh, okay. So she's on this other side of this partition with a glass in the middle right and she's looking at me and, and hoping that I can stand up to my reputation at that point I think I'm thinking because right. you know she probably blows people out of the water right of course so she looks across at me and she's saying sing some of her B stuff you know and I, I, I smiled at her and I sent her some of my B stuff and then she goes she smiles at me and sends me some of her A stuff and I smile at her and sends some of my oh we, we're done now I was just like it's, it's it was a lot. I, I love her. Always have. Uh, I think she's one of the, the kindest and most thoughtful human beings I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, and, and she's and certainly one of the most talented. 
it is um it is two all timer voices with you with you two together and um I know Angela Lansbury sings it in the in in the storyline in the movie but you guys on that end credits it 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 won the the song won the Oscar you won a Grammy I mean it it yep. is all time stuff did wait did did you guys do the version did Angela Lansbury do this for the movie like simultaneously as you guys are recording the end credits one no 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 how does no, that no, work. No, no. That's 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 separate, and okay. and we almost didn't we didn't know we were going to actually be able to perform it at the Oscars until the week of the Oscars. Whoa! But so you wanted, just get a tux ready, you get really fast, and you get that's well. She be wanted to, she wanted to sing it, and I I I'm a Sweeney Todd fan. I love Angela Lansbury. I mean, <laughs> she wrote and all nine. Yeah, I'm, yeah, a, yeah. I'm a fan. The Manchurian and, Candidate. <laughs> yeah, right. The Manchurian. I, I have I have mad respect for her, but she yeah. wanted to sing it. She wanted to sing it at the Oscars. It was yeah. like, you're a teapot. What are you going to wear? Yeah, you can't wear the teapot. No, you can't wear the teapot. Then if, if you don't wear the teapot, it's not. We got to so, let the pop duo go sing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So so we compromised and she sang a verse of of our version and and uh, or her version, whichever one it was. And, and then we sang the song. So right. it, was, it was cool. But now Disney doesn't repeat they don't like to go back to the same artist right so when uh when the aladdin came up and, the, and a whole new world came around they didn't want to they were trying all these different pairings like uh glory Esteban and axel rose whoa i never think about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i know right it was like, i can't yeah. even imagine that <laughs> well exactly oh new world <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was like no it's like it and Gloria's a fine singer. I mean, and 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 Axel does his thing with his, with his within his. Oh, I love Guns and Roses, but I can't imagine yeah, it on Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but that would that's not that was a that was a bridge too far. So they tried all these combinations that these people were everywhere was coming up with, and they had to come back to me. Let's call Peebo again. We can't get this. Yeah, well, we got to bring in the All Star. Yeah, let's get <laughs> let, let's 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 try this. And, and the, they came up with Regina Bell because. Regina Bell is, if a song is difficult, the thing you have to understand, Jason, is that the Disney songs, they don't come with like a, a playbook or, sure. or, or a prequel that you can, uh, they don't come like that. It's right. whatever you give it. Nobody in, in, the, in the recording session, nobody makes one vocal suggestion to you. You are right. inventing it from the right as, there, from the ground up. Right. As, as, as we sing, we are inventing it. It's all about interpretation at that particular point. Right. And I think that's what makes it so special. You're the first one to sing, to, to, to record a song. And whatever you give it is, uh, whatever character you give it is going to last forever. And gazillions of people are going to hear it exactly as you gave it. Mm -hmm. So Re Regina Bell, her great, talent to me is if it's difficult it is it's almost impossible to interpret it's cake to her yeah. she's it's, it's the easiest thing in the world to her and, and that that's her signature to me he spoke with regina bell a couple weeks ago when she came to dc and she just had to sang your highest praises it, it was great so oh um, she's a, absolutely amazing are you kidding me I mean, it's like i knew that about her but i i really knew it in that moment all that interpretation all that stuff all that the work she did at Rutgers, it all came to bear in that moment. Yeah, you you live your whole life to live that moment that you're in, and that's what the Disney songs represent. If one song represents, if you would know true beauty, that you would have to look past 
it's outside to it's inside to see what its heart really is and what its soul is and all that. And that's and there's a greater lesson for our children to learn. Mm. I don't know what it is. And then you got a whole new world, which is a representation of every hope, or our greatest hope, our greatest promise, our greatest everything, our best is best. How are they not going to last forever? And they and they were the number one and two, actually number one sellers at uh, success wise at in Disney history until Frozen. Until Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they they were massive. Yeah, well, that the whole new world that also won the Oscar. You guys won a Grammy. Disney's message hasn't really changed. It's a good one. It's wholesome, and they're not they're not two iconic institutions in, in the world that can actually say that and, right. and actually prove it uh, consistently over with, so long. Yeah, working with Disney was probably uh, the greatest honor of my life. Yeah, uh, my sister was actually a. a a member of the Mickey Mouse Club. I wasn't. Really? No, my mother, my parents wouldn't let me do it. Oh, come on. Yeah, you know why? That was your punishment for calling Detroit so much. <laughs> <laughs> you you're ground, you're grounded. Yeah. Sister go to Mickey Mouse, but Debo's <laughs> grounded. Oh, that's great. Well, there you know, is, speaking of it, that, just, you right. know, you said you have a four-year-old running around off camera. Is, has I he... Can. Has he seen Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast? Is you know, is he discovering these? My four-year-old absolutely re- refuses to accept that I'm famous. <laughs> no, he's like, I, you know, he if that makes him. He get he's got a thing. Listen, he's got a thing about it. Jason, this little boy, it, he has. I have relative pitch. He has perfect pitch. Mm. He. David he, Foster would like his pitch. Yes, David <laughs> would like. Was, David's gonna like him a whole lot more. He likes me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's like, but my thing is with him is, okay, I, I I I tried to explain to him I'm more I'm more famous than Miguel in, in the movie Coco. Oh, of course, great movie. And, and I said, you know, I said, I said, look, man, I, I I'm not I, I'm more famous. Daddy's more famous than Miguel. No, you no, you're not. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we know we get into our, I mean physical arguments about uh, <laughs> who. Uh, I said, I, I'm more famous than, than Ernesto De La Cruz. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. But but he, he refuses to accept that. Jason, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been awesome. Thanks for such taking me through the whole journey. That was fantastic. Uh, again, everybody, uh, Peebo Bryson is coming to Bethesda Blues and Jazz this Saturday night. So get your tickets now. Go on a magic carpet ride with the legend himself. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, and um, by the way, I, I made a mistake. I have been to that venue before, and I love that venue. By the you, way, you have been to Bethesda Blues and Jazz. Yeah, right? I, I love that. I love that venue, and I love the audience that comes there, and I love the people that that own and run that venue. They are the the very best people. I just I, I have these lapses from time to time, but they are the best people in this, and that's one of my my favorite gigs to do ever. They are they're the best. Awesome. Well, we can't wait for you to come back. So, hey, thank you so much. We'll see you Saturday. All right. See you Saturday. Come on. Come by and give us a dap, dude. We'll dap through the camera right now. You got it. Boom. All right. Boom. Bryson. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Jason. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.